and we're live. Welcome to Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs. My name is Mustafa Hosseini, and I'm your host for the show. At Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs, our, our purpose and our goal is to share strategies and actionable advice that you could use uh, on running your business and boost your confidence in different areas of your business. Um, just so you know, during the, uh, the talk and after the talk, we'll be giving away gifts and we'll be doing a draw. And for you to enter the draw, if you like, comment, subscribe to our channels to whichever on uh, whichever uh, channel you're looking at and or if you ask a question live or tag a friend as we're having a conversation with our amazing guest expert michael Broderick, which i'm going to introduce here in a minute then you enter the draw and then we will announce the uh, winners uh, within the next few episodes now um uh, my guest is uh, the amazing michael Broderick. welcome michael Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It is great to have you. So let me do the proper introduction, and then uh, we're going to dive in a really useful and actionable conversation here. Okay. Michael Rotrick is the CEO of Small Pond Enterprise Enterprises, which helps thoughtful givers become thoughtful leaders by making their brands referable, their messaging memorable, and their ideas unforgettable. I, I love that. I can't wait to, for this conversation. He's also the host of the podcast, Access to Anyone, which allows, uh, which shows how you can get to know anyone you want in business and in life using time-tested relationship building principles. That's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. Michael's unique methodology comes from his own experience of going from uh, being a high school English teacher to a Broadway producer in under two years. Welcome, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you. So, Michael, what is your story? <laughs> so, as you uh, as you heard, I went from being a high school English teacher to a Broadway producer in under two years. Uh, so, a lot of people were very curious as to how I did it. So, I started uh, out by studying networking. So, I spent a bunch of time basically hosting workshops where I would simulate one-on-one -on -one meetings, job interviews, and cocktail parties. And I started to develop all of these frameworks to teach people about relationship building. And I became really well known, sort of within that space, within the connection space. And one of the things that just kept coming up over and over and over again from people was how they would remember something that I had talked about in some cases for years. So I would see somebody, uh, you know, after a really long time, and they say, you know, that thing that you taught, I still remember it, I'm still using it. So I became really interested in if you got rid of networking, if you actually like just took networking out the door, what still would get you in all of these rooms? And I realized it was if people would talk about you when you weren't in the room in a good way. So I started to study referability and look at how can thought leaders, people are interested in thought leadership, create referable brands. And now that's the work that I do. Fantastic. So tell me a little more about uh, who you serve and what do you do for them again? Sure. So very, very often what tends to happen is that people who have a lot of really, really great ideas, people who are innovators, entrepreneurs, they're usually very, very good at doing the work for their clients. They're great at serving their clients and helping their clients. But one of the things that they tend to do is they deprioritize the packaging 
of their intellectual property. So they have a process, they have something that they do, but they often don't come up with a name for it. They don't come up with a way to explain it to people that they'll actually be able to get and understand. So what I do is I come in and take a look at that and help them package it. I help them come up with the language. I help them figure out how are you gonna present this to people so that they are going to talk to their friends about it, so that they are going to share it. And I use the main referability principles of accessibility, influence, and memory. So first, can people outside of your industry actually understand what you're talking about? Second, will they share it because it actually makes them look better by sharing your ideas? And then finally, and most importantly, will they remember it well enough to actually tell it to someone else and talk mm -hmm. to somebody else about your ideas? Love it. Love it. Uh, yeah, because the way I see it is like most business owners, the way they describe themselves is so broad mm -hmm. and so unspecified that yes. no one can remember. It's like I help everybody and anybody, and I guess we'll get into that. Now, yeah. we're talking about a referable brand. Mm -hmm. What is your definition of brand or branding? Sure. So when you when you have a brand, it's what do people actually say when you're not there? So you only have a brand if people can talk about you without you needing to butt in and say like, hey, no, this is what I do or this is what I'm about or this is, you know, how you know my skills, my, my process. You have to have something that people can take on their own and share with other people. That's when you have a brand. So it's all about what are they saying when you are not in the room. Love it. Love Thanks. it. Um, so how do you go about um, developing a brand? What is sure. like, what are some of the steps that people that are listening or watching or, uh, you know, are tap, uh, you know, uh, are listening to us? What are some of the steps that they need to implement and do to, uh, start developing their brand. Yeah, so you have to answer some very, very important questions about who it is that you're serving and how it is that you're actually serving them. So most of the time, the problem that I see, I call it giving ourselves an F. Most of the time we spend our time talking about what it is that we do. And what we need to do is we need to focus on what it is that we do for our clients and really break down what is the actual work that we're doing for our clients. And it's easy to remember the three ways to think about what you do for a client, because if you don't do at least one of these three things, you'll be sad, S-A-D. And that is solve a problem, alleviate pain, or decrease friction. If you are not solving a problem for your client, getting rid of some kind of pain that they're dealing with or making the process easier and less filled with friction, what you have is a business that is a nice to have as opposed to a need to have. So very, very often the main thing that you need to start with if you're thinking about this aspect of building a referable brand and getting other people to discuss what it is that you do is really thinking about this aspect of what are you actually doing for your clients? Because that's what they're going to talk about. They're not going to talk about the years of experience you've had or or the way that you're doing things and all of, the, all of those elements. They're going to talk about what you're actually doing for the clients that you work for. Love it. Love it. Um, 
Michael, what is a typical day like for you these days? So uh, I am a dad to a four-year-old and a one-year-old, both girls. So most mornings are pretty much dedicated to family, right? Uh, dealing with sort of early morning, uh, early morning activities and sort of that, that side of things. Um, once that, uh, that portion of things is done and I get a chance to get into, uh, you know, my, my room, which is also my office because we're all in the middle of this, you know, crazy pandemic, you know, stuff. Um, then it's about working with clients, right? So basically there are entrepreneurs that are struggling with their message, trying to come up with their, concepts, trying to get their stuff out there. So I will be doing sessions with them. I'll be teaching workshops for different people's groups. Uh, a lot of my day is spent in interviews like this, uh, where I'm sharing the concept of a referable brand and sort of how that works. Usually the end of the day is more spent on content. So I write a daily email. So I write every single day. So I usually wow. am spending time crafting that content and coming up with ideas for sort of how that content's going to be presented and where that's going to go. And, and that particular side of things, maybe a little bit more client work. And then the day is usually finished uh, around dinner time where I, again, will spend mostly most of the time with family from dinner to bath time, bedtime and all of those types of things. And then either it's a little bit of a wind down, uh, you know, time or it's uh, hop on and do another uh, interview or, or presentation or something of that nature. Amazing. Looks like family's on top of your value list. Yes. And then you got business. What's the third top value for you? Uh, I mean, relationships, I would say is, is probably the, the biggest, the, you know, the biggest thing it's, it's, it's staying in touch with people. It's, it's developing those relationships. It's cultivating that those relationships. So I spend a lot of time hosting gatherings. I get groups together. Um, even now with, you know, the fact that we can't, we're, we're not able to gather in person, I'm still putting together, uh, zoom gatherings of friends and colleagues and, and really just sort of staying in touch and making sure that I'm keeping in touch with them and getting to know what they're up to and what they're working on uh, and just supporting the folks within my circle. That's amazing. Yeah. Relationship was like, are like extremely important, especially when it comes to running your business. Now, yeah. for those of you who are watching or listening or joining us later, uh, Michael and I are talking about how to create a referable brand. If you have any questions about how to create a referable brand, put it in the chat box. And, or if you're listening to, if you're listening to this on our podcast later, you could submit your questions on our social media pages or put a review on our uh, Google podcast or Apple podcast and put your question in there and we'll get back to you later. Now, I know we touched on this um, uh, just briefly, but why should business owners care about brands and their brand and branding? Sure. So very simply put, if somebody has a less powerful process than you, uh, doesn't have all the experience that you do, uh, is not nearly as good at their work, they will win if people remember them. Very simply put, if their message is easier to transfer, people will share their message before they share yours. And the fact of the matter is we could be fantastic at what we do, but if people aren't sharing our message, if they're not talking about us, then they're going to talk about somebody else. 
They're going to talk about somebody else. They're going to talk about somebody else's ideas. So if you're not taking the time to say, well, what are my ideas? What are the concepts that I want out in the world? What do I want people to be saying about me? Then you're basically just leaving it open for other people, usually who are less experienced than you who aren't doing as great work, you're leaving the door open for them to take up that market share, for them to get all of the opportunities. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what are some of the top myths around branding and referrals? So I think that you know one of the things that pops up a lot uh, is this idea of you have to be, um, you have to be sort of the, the the figurehead right um so i i often will refer to this as sort of like the idea of the wizard versus the person behind the curtain right so a lot of people think that in order to be a brand or to have people talk about you you have to be out there all the time doing your social media getting your message out you know and be the figurehead be the person but I, I like to refer to this as the Faustian version of the personal, you know, the, uh, the Faustian bargain of the personal brand, where if it is just you, if your personality is what is selling the business and keeping things and, and keeping things going, well, now everything that you are is up for grabs, right? So if the larger your brand becomes, your personal life becomes, you know, on that billboard as well. It's all about, it's all about you. Whereas if you become known for your ideas instead of being known for just your personality, well, you don't have to be there for people to share your ideas. And nobody is paying attention to what you had for dinner or which you know event you were at. And you don't have to live stream all the time and share everything, you know, share everything with your audience. So I think one of the biggest myths is that you have to be this figurehead, like you have to be the wizard. And the fact of the matter is, there are plenty of people with very, very powerful brands who aren't the wizard, who share their ideas and share their concepts, and their concepts are what really move the needle, right? The ideas that they have are what people are sharing and talking about, and they're actually not spending a ton of time doing any kind of self-promotion, right? And pushing and saying like, hey, look at me, hey, pay attention to what I'm doing. Absolutely. I really like the idea of having people talk about you when you're not there and what mm -hmm. they say about you. Yeah. And um, so if they say not too many people are talking about me and my brand and my company and what I do and my expertise and the rest of it, what are some of the action steps that I need to take to get people to talk about me? Yeah. So first you have to take the time to figure out how they're actually going to be able to share your content. Right. So if I said to you, there are 25 points to creating a referable brand and I just kind of laid out and I kept going over, you know, by the time I was on point seven, everybody would tune out. Right. Because it's too overwhelming for the brain to take up that much information. But if I said to you, in order to create a referable brand, you need to focus on three things and it's easy to remember because it spells the word aim and that's accessibility, influence, and memory. So you take aim when creating a referable brand. Well, now I have given you a package to carry, right? I've given you a very, very simple way to carry the information. So the first thing that you need to do is to think about what is your idea 
And how are you going to make that idea easy for people to carry? Are you going to make it a story? Are you going to turn it into something that is a mnemonic device? Does it spell something? Are you going to give them an image that helps them understand things? One of the top, uh, one of the top TED talks that that comes out all the time, and we see lots of lots of people reference it, is Simon Sinek's uh, "Start with Why" talk, right? Mm -hmm. So you see this one all the time, right? But when you think about why is that talk shared so often, it's because everybody can draw a circle and look smart in front of their friends. It is the simplest concept to share, to say, start with why and draw that golden, golden circle. It is not a complex thing for you to explain to somebody else. And the, the mistake that I see most people who are innovators make is that they make sharing the idea too complex. We spend so much time thinking about how am I going to tell this story? And we spend not enough time at all thinking about how easy is it going to be for somebody to retell this story? Hmm. Okay. Would you be able to share some, some tips on how to make a story simple to share? Sure. So you first need to think about this idea of accessibility. Right. So very, very often we have anchors for concepts. Right. So this is why when people will raise money for a startup, they don't say, here's the information about the startup because everybody's going to get lost. They say we are the Uber for teacup poodles. Right. Like they will use something that you can already sort of be anchored in that you already recognize, that you already understand. So the very first thing that you really have to do when you're thinking about getting other folks to tell the story is what is familiar to them? What are they going mm -hmm. to understand? Like, what is the anchor going to be? How are they going to take this concept and be able to say like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. It's got a beginning, middle, and an end, or it is like this. This is why you see so many Venn diagrams because we've all seen Venn diagrams before right? It is an anchor for us. So we are willing to accept whatever somebody decides to put into a Venn diagram and then consider that person a thought leader, right? And consider that person as to giving us really good information because we all recognize a Venn diagram. The same is true for a meme. A meme is nothing more than a structure. And all we do is overlay our message over whatever that meme is, right? So ultimately, we it's easy to share because there is a structure behind it, right? There is a way that this whole thing is sort of bro broken down. So you always want to look at, okay, how am I making this so that people can easily access it? So they're like, oh yeah, I understand this. I recognize it. I un you know, I I get it. And then you give them your twist, like you add your thing to it, right? And all of a sudden now it's like, oh, okay. You know, so if somebody says, so if somebody, let's say, had 10 uh, marketing principles, right? 10 marketing principles, kind of boring, right? And not a lot of stuff that we can sort of associate with it. But the second you say, these are the 10 commandments of marketing your next startup, instantly, everybody gets it because that is a very, very common idea, right? If somebody tells you to add a Disney effect to your tagline, we instantly know what you're talking about, right? Uh, I remember another entrepreneur who said that he Netflixes 
his prospects. And we instantly know what that means, right? We instantly know that we're going to be binging this person's content before we meet them because he uses the term Netflix. But if he hadn't, it wouldn't be accessible. It wouldn't be easy to share. It wouldn't be something that we immediately get. And this is the mistake that I think most entrepreneurs make. I call it finding your Celine. So basically a lot of the time, um, uh, very quick story. There was the song called Hey Ya by Outkast and it became a hit. But when it was first released, people didn't listen to it at all. And it was because the sound was too different. So what the radio stations did was they actually would play Celine Dion first, then Hey Ya, then Maroon 5 or another artist that had a very, very similar sound. And after a while, the unfamiliar became familiar. So most entrepreneurs are trying to introduce people to their hey ya. They're trying to introduce people to their innovation where what they need to do is they need to find their Celine. They need to find that thing that is so simple that is a great anchor to understand a concept and then they can take it wherever they want, but they've got to get that trust first from an audience. Because if it, if it feels too complicated, if it feels too challenging, if it feels, if, if the idea makes us feel stupid, we won't share it. The second that we feel like I'm out of my depth, we don't want to share it. We don't want to talk about it because we'll look awkward if we do. That's why there are dozens of leadership TED Talks that never get any sharing as, because they're just too complex for the person listening mm -hmm. to try and explain to their friend. But the second something is three steps. Here's a Venn diagram. Here's a circle, whatever it is, we share it because we look better. And that's the thing that most people do not understand about influence. Most people think that influence is about persuasion. It's about getting somebody to do something. But I am only influential if you do something and I don't ask you to do it. If you do it on your own. So what's going to make you do it on your own? It's how you look when you share it. So if somebody decides to share this interview, it's all about how they look. It's all about how they look to their audience, right? So if they're sharing this interview and saying, wow, this was really useful or this was really helpful and they share it with their audience, their audience sees them as somebody who understands what is helpful and what is available to curate. It builds their reputation the second that they share it. And that's where influence comes from. Influence comes from you being able to create something that will make somebody else look so good that they cannot help but share it. You don't have to ask them. Right, right. So let me reiterate and see, uh, tell me if I'm on the right track here. To make, to help people talk about you, your idea should be simple. Yep. Something that they understand. So if it's complex and if it's broad, they're not, they won't remember it. It yep. will just be like, it's like, uh, if you say I help people become successful, right? Exactly. Not very many people are probably going to talk about you. Yep. But if you say I help 40 year old accountants add 20% to their bottom line, right? Yeah. And if I see a 40, if I, someone that could look like an accountant or if, if, if an accounting topic comes up, they'd be like, Hey, I know someone that can help you bring 20, an extra 20% in because it's like, it's not complex. It's like, yep. here's a specific group of people and here's a specific result that you could deliver for them. 
Yep. Then and, they will talk about you because you're, you know. Exactly. And if you can reference that to something that everybody knows or like a piece of pop culture, right, you will get even more attention. Right. Oh, so like if you took that. so if you took that accountant example and let's just say your audience what grew up in like the 80s and the 80s and the 90s, and you said, you know, I'm like I'm basically like what they did in She's All That, but for accountants, right? You know, I take you, if you're the Laney Boggs of the accounting world, I make you ready for the prom king. Mm. Right. And all of a sudden it's like anybody who watched that movie knows like exactly what you're talking about. Hmm. Right. And even better, if there is something in pop culture, right. Right now at like this, this particular moment, you can use that as a way to hook people onto your idea. So if we even took this accounting example, you could say, you know, I can take you from the, Ber I can take you from the Bernie Sanders of accounting to the Bernie Sanders meme of accounting and think about that, right? Think about how that meme is everywhere right now, right? All of these Bernie Sanders memes of him, like in all of these different, you know, all these different positions. Oh so we're going to get it almost immediately because it's being referenced. Right. And ultimately like that, if you think about that meme culture, even right, why is it being shared? Because everybody wants to be funny they want to be recognized for the fact that they came up with something or that they're sharing something funny. So that's why we see it all the time. That's why it, this is why clubhouse has grown as big as it has, because it is a status symbol to be able to say to somebody, I've got a clubhouse invite. I would love to invite you. Right. It's a status symbol. So that's why it's being shared because people are like, I've got the inside and I'm going to help you get on the inside. I love it. So a few, a few important points that I picked here. One, you've got to do some cultural um, research into mm -hmm. your target market and understand what they actually connect with. Mm -hmm. Like if they're from the 80s, which movie, what, what cultural event can you connect with so that when you talk about it, they're like, you know, uh, I'm like uh, the um, a few examples you brought up. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm the Elon Musk of accounting, mm -hmm. right? And they'll be like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, okay, all right. Tell me more. What what is your innovation about? It's like yep. right there and then. What what are you doing different? So you don't have to explain much. That's a powerful concept that you brought up, and 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 Bernie got. I don't think he could have got this much publicity with any amount of money. Yep, or exactly. How is this even happening? Like, I'm sure there are a lot of other politicians that have sat around looking, looking stupid, yeah. but not getting as much what's going on in there. Yeah. Yeah. It comes down to the, ba like, basically it comes down to his, his people, right? So like, if you think about it, Bernie really attracted a younger generation with all of his ideas and all of his concepts, like Bernie's market even though he's an old guy bernie's market is young right yeah. so how do how does that younger market communicate with each other they're all online right they're all online so one of them saw this picture 
and decided to do this, right? Decided to create that first, you know, that first meme. And the second that somebody thinks something is funny, they're going to share it. And the only other thing that can happen once a template is created, right? Once somebody is like, this is a funny template, is for other people to iterate on that particular template. So who knows? I mean, it could have been an older person who shared it first or who created that meme. We have no idea who created the first one, right? But his audience, which is always online, was probably spinning out all sorts of versions of their yep. own memes, right? And mm -hmm. it made them look funny. It made them look cool. And mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's all about thinking about how am I going to craft this message so that other people look cool? This is why all of these all of these tools that are out there by different entrepreneurs end up taking off when there is some sort of way to qualify yourself, right? So if I do a test and you can tell me if I'm a red, a blue, or a green entrepreneur and you have some kind of category of it, right? And let's say let's let's say we get even more um, uh, we get even more in depth of it and you're like, which power ranger? entrepreneur are you, right? You're going to, you're going to attract a very, very specific market and people are going to be like, well, that's who I am. That's what, you know, that's what I'm about. And we always like, we crave identity, right? Like we crave that aspect of being able to say like, this is where I, this is where I fit. This is what I'm about. So if you create that for people and give them an idea of that, it's like, oh, you know, so, so for example, I, um, I talk all the time about referability, right? And referrals. And most of the time when people think about referrals, they think only about referral partners, right? So somebody who's going to send you business, somebody who is going to think about you and, and give you opportunities, but you also have referability partners and referability partners are people who actually make it so that you are way more likely to be referable. So the first type of referability partner is a translator. And this is somebody who you meet who can easily tell you exactly what it is that you do, who has that kind of outside perspective and is able to say, oh yeah, you do this. And they just naturally come up with these ideas, naturally come up with these associations, right? Mm -hmm. That person could be 10 times more valuable to you because they actually help you understand your value than somebody who introduces you to one client right? Then you have your angels. And these are the people who love to connect people. They may never refer you business, right? But they may introduce you to somebody who then gets you onto a show where you are able to present your material to a bunch of other uh, individuals who could buy from you. And that angel completely changed your life, completely changed your press situation, the way that you're perceived, all of those different types of things. And then finally, you have the producers. And it's easy to remember this because you think about it, tap into your refer referability partners, right? You tap your Matt, referability Matt, partners. I'm taking notes here. Right? So producers. producers are the people who think about how does this idea or this concept get exploited, get built into something bigger than it is, make actual money. Right. So producers are the people who are always thinking about like, how does this apply in a business sense? And if somebody can sit down with you and say, man, you know, this thing that you're doing, you could turn this into a course. 
and you know sell it for two hundred dollars and sell it to this you know massive you know marketing list that information could completely change your business right so the thing is if you're a translator and you're really good at translating you want to ask yourself well who are the other translators in my in, in my network who can give me perspective because you're usually not good at self-diagnosing right and figuring out your own thing right who are the angels in my network who would be happy to connect me to larger opportunities and bigger things? And who are the producers who can actually understand where the business is in my particular idea? Right. Hmm. I love it. So we got the translators, the angels and the producers. Yep. Hmm. Now, I really love the idea of connecting what you're doing to something cultural and or some sort of uh, the Disney effect, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Do you have a process on how people can actually find the connection between what they're doing to some cultural point? Because here's an example: mm -hmm. I'm all about simplicity, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, and I'm thinking, what's a cultural thing about simplicity? Yeah, uh, and I have no clue where to start. Yeah. So a lot of the time, what you want to do is you want to look at more. So simplicity is what I like to refer to as a container word. Okay. Um, and we all have container words and these are words that everybody understands, but everybody has a different definition of. Yeah. Right. So if you use container words, what tends to happen is it's very hard to come up with where the specificity is, where the opportunities are. So what you want to do is you want to take that container, you want to open it up and look for the contents, right? So what you want to do is you want to say, okay, if I wasn't allowed to use the word simplicity, what other words would I use? If I had to tell a story about simplicity, what would those stories be? And you start to unpack that container word. You start to come up with ideas and concepts. And once you've told a story, like once you're like, okay, this is something I've done, or this is something I've helped somebody with when it's come to simplicity, you can look at that exact story and then say, okay, where in pop culture has that story happened? You know, where in pop culture do these people, do these people exist? And that's where you can start to latch on to something. The other piece of it that that's really, really powerful that most people don't take advantage of is that when something is high contrast, we pay much, much closer attention to it. So McDonald's colors are red and yellow, right? Those are very, they, they have this like high level of contrast to them, right? So like, you're just like, ah, and the interesting thing about McDonald's colors is that they're really attractive when you first see them, but you will get tired of them very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that is by design because fast food places want you to be in for a short period of time and then leave. Get out. Yeah. So they're not going to give you blues and greens and all these like types of things. They're going to give you the high contrast thing that gets your attention. And then after a while kind of gets annoying. So you leave, right? So high contrast gets people's attention. So if you can think of high contrast in what it is that you're doing and actually compare two different two different pop culture things to yourself, you can actually get far more attention and people pay like you know asking you about it. So a lot of the time what I'll do is I'll tell people that the work that I do, 
I come in as a cross between Malcolm Gladwell and Don Draper from Mad Men. They can't be any more contrasting in terms of look, in terms of way of sort of being in the world and all of those different types of things. So instantly what happens is people are like, how? Right? They want to know. Like, what yeah, is that? That's thing? like an intriguing in statement. Like, how the hell do you do that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the same way. Like, I ended up on tons of podcasts when I first got started because I said I went from being a high school English teacher to a Broadway producer in under two years, but I didn't tell you how. Hmm. And that's the thing. You create a high contrast situation and you minus the payoff. You take the payoff out of the equation. People want to know what the payoff is. People want to know what that particular situation is. So if you come up with a high contrast statement about what it is that you do, but you don't say how it happened or what happened, everybody is curious as to what that They're means. dying to know. Yeah, exactly. What, what, can you give us a couple examples of that? So, I mean, there's, uh, there, there's tons of things out there, but, um, you know, if you see a headline that says something along the lines of um, Trump campaign accidentally funded by Trump supporters. Instantly, you're like, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, by anti-Trump supporters. Yeah, you're okay. instantly like, what is that? Like, how does that, how does that work, right? Or in the classic marketing uh, examples that are that are out there of you know how do you um how do you make twice as much money by spending half as much time it's a high contrast situation you're curious as to what that actually what that actually means right or how do you get people talking about you without talking about yourself which is yeah, what okay. we're talking about i see what i okay right? So any high contrast scenario will often cause people to be like, okay, well, how does that, how does that work? Like, what is that particular thing? And then you can find things in pop culture and you can actually place them against each other. Right? So if you said, what if Bernie Sanders met David Bowie? Instantly people are like, well, what does that look like? Like, what's that about? I've created this really, really interesting sort of element of curiosity for mm -hmm. you. And once I've done that, you want to know. And ideally, that's what you want to do. If we, if we take it back to like what you're doing with your clients, if you describe what you do, you want to get them to the point where they're like, I need that hmm. or my friend needs that. And you're only going to do that if you create a very, very interesting high contrast statement or concept, yeah. right? Yeah. That causes yep. them to be like, oh man, that is totally me. That's totally what I'm dealing with. And like, I would love to be that thing that you're talking about. Absolutely. So one of the things uh, uh, that, that may be along the same lines that I teach in my course, Simple Marketing Formula, is the way you introduce yourself is uh, by your tagline saying, I help X get Y, mm -hmm. right? Yep. I help this target market get this result, which yep. leaves that how out of it right because yep. yep. usually what people do is when you ask them what do you do they dive in a five minute speech and they never shut up you know yeah they just keep going on and on and on it's like dude i don't know i don't want your life story just yep. tell me what you do and then if it's designed well if and if it's interesting enough they're always dying for how and then they're like yep. well how do you do that 
Yeah. Right. What does that look like? Right. Yeah. It, Tell uh, me the process. Curiosity. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite stories is about the show Breaking Bad. So Breaking Bad, very, very popular show. And what a lot of people don't realize about TV is that you have to watch TV for a certain period of time in order for ratings to count. So if somebody turns off the whatever the show is within that first five or 10 minutes, those ratings are not going to count. Mm -hmm. So what the writers of Breaking Bad would do is they would write this opening scene that was, you just were like, what does that mean? Like, why is that happening? So they put these characters in these like ridiculous situations, but they wouldn't tell you how they got in that situation or what was actually happening. And often they wouldn't pay it off until halfway through the show, or sometimes they wouldn't pay it off until two shows later. Yeah. So like, an, like an open loop. Exactly. So what does that do that gets you watching the show over and over and over again? Oh, yeah. and, and this is the thing we don't think enough about. Right. We don't ask ourselves, how am I making it so that somebody wants to binge my ideas? Right. So that yeah. somebody's like, I need to I need to know what else that person knows. Mm -hmm. The second that the person's like, oh, my God, I need to know what else that person knows. Yeah. Then you've got them and they will read more of your content. They'll listen to your stuff. They will search for you. They will find you out. Because now you have created that 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 gap for them, where the they're curiosity. Just like, exactly. How yeah. do I how do I find out? How does this work? Mm -hmm. That's yeah, what they I know, want, I, want to know. I know yeah. the shows uh, twenty four did this beautifully. Yep. It's like they open it with a big action, you're like holy moly, what happened? And then right towards the end, something big happens. You're like, oh my god, I could really have now. I have watched 24 the entire thing probably three times. Yeah. Because of that effect. And yep. same thing with prison break. Yeah. Right? There's a big thing in the beginning, and right at the, you know, as towards the end, something big and stupid happens. You're like, I really have to watch this. And then even if even if I have work to do, tell them I'll come later. Yep. <laughs> I yep. have to watch this episode. Exactly. Exactly. And this is the mistake that most people make when it comes to their brand, their ideas. They're not spending enough time creating curiosity, right? They're, they're, they're spending way too much time on exposition. Really good writing spends very little time on exposition, right? So if I'm watching a TV show, the dialogue, if it's like, Oh yeah, I just went to the store and I bought this thing and the characters are just talking about what they did. We're That's not going to watch it, right? Yeah. But if the show opens and somebody's just been shot, we're like, you're like, "Oh, what happened? What happened? Like what's mm -hmm. the story?" right? And that's the thing. We need to take the time when we're thinking about the messages that we're creating to ask ourselves, are we giving too much exposition? Are we boring our audience because there's just too much exposition or are we creating so much curiosity that they want to know like what else we know? They want to learn more from us. They want to know what our next line is going to be. And ultimately, mm -hmm. I mean, if we even look at copy, right, that's what makes really good copy. If I give you a headline that gets you to read the next line, I win, right? You keep reading, you read down to the end of that sales page, I have one. You are either going to buy or you're going to send it to somebody who's going to buy. 
because you are curious. You want to know what the outcome is. You want to know what the possibility is. And this is the thing. You want to create the kinds of ideas and content that gets people to binge you. The most successful TED Talk people who have entire careers created basically something that caused other people to binge them, right? The idea was a simple concept that made them say, man, I need to know what else this person knows. And then they go and they search them out. They look for their website. They look for their information. And this is the thing. I think most of the time what, what happens is we actually give way too much and then people are overwhelmed. They're not actually interested anymore. And we don't hold back enough. Very interesting. You have given me like so much, so much to think about and work on. And for those of you who are watching or listening either now or later, um, uh, I, Michael, I can't thank you enough. You've just got my brain going like uh, a, a, a thousand miles an hour right now. Awesome. I'm so, so glad to hear that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So for the people, so you talked about earlier, you talked about how some fast food restaurants put some high contrast colors. Mm -hmm. So if you want people, on the other hand, to stay around, yep. stick around, you would put low contrast colors. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it would be blues and the greens and like yep. Starbucks. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Starbucks is Starbucks is focused on the idea of a culture. Right. So Starbucks is focused on the concept of like you are in this place and this is a community for you. This is your place to go. Right. So everything about Starbucks is about creating that sense of culture, that sense of like, hey, stay a while. Right. And you do this, whether you realize it or not, all the time with your message, right? So your message is either telling people like, hey, stay a while. I've got, you know, I, I've got lots of stuff and I'd love to kind of keep you here. Or it's saying, pay attention to me right now. And I don't really care if you stay, if you stay or you go, right? So the thing is, when we think about permission, uh, permission-based marketing, right? You can't have permission without interruption, right? So that's the first thing we have to understand. Like I have to interrupt you in order for you to decide to give me permission to have more conversations with you. Yeah. Right? So my interruption can be very high contrast. It can be very interesting, but then when I deliver and I'm, you're part of my community, right? Do I have to shock you every single day? No. No. Do I need high contrast every single day? No, it's actually gonna freak you out and bother you. So I can actually now in my content write some think pieces. I can create something that's a little more experimental. I can test things now because you're part of that community now. You're reading these emails, you're, you're, you're listening. You, you, so. I can write lots of different things once you're here, right? And you'll be interested to learn more and to, and to discover more, right? But at first I gotta get you to say like, I'm really curious and I wanna pay attention and I wanna follow what it is that you have to offer. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow, very interesting stuff. Thanks. So um, if people wanna get a hold of you, um, how do they do that? 
Sure. Uh, so I'm pretty much all over the, you know, I'm, I'm all over the socials, if you will. Um, I'm here on the Book of Faces as uh, Mike Roderick, uh, because my Michael <laughs> account got hacked at one point. Uh, so uh, definitely check out Mike Roderick uh, if you're if you're reaching out to me on the Book of Faces. Um, but I'm also I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my website is smallpondenterprises.com. Um, you can always reach out there. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty accessible. I'm, you know, always happy to help, always happy to, uh, always happy to support, uh, anybody who, who reaches out. So the website was smallpondenterprises.com. Yep, exactly. Love it. Now, uh, I understand that you're graciously sharing a gift with our audience. Can yes. you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, so this is a referability rater. Um, and what you can do is you can basically answer a series of questions and it will help you understand how referable you are. So it'll help you understand sort of where are you falling down on this accessibility side of things, influence side, the memory side, and give you a bit of a score, right? So you can sort of see where you're at and what your and, and what your story is. So if you're curious as to kind of where you are on that referability journey, uh, this will help you. And uh, you will get the opportunity if you uh, fill out the fill out the rater. You can also be able to join the daily email if you want to check that out. Uh, I also have a weekly uh, digest that you can uh, you can check out too. That's amazing. And so for those of you who are watching or listening later, if um, you um, liked what you just heard, I mean, we talked about some really interesting and powerful ideas that you can apply to your business starting today. Uh, first of all, go grab the gift. I posted the link here in the and in the um, comments in the show on our social channels and it's going to be posted in the show notes on apple and different places and get a hold of mike mike and and, and what he does is absolutely amazing and powerful and yeah every business needs it right like designing curiosity in how you introduce yourself designing curiosity into uh, how you deliver your products and services so people keep wanting more, yep. right? Because that's a problem. People uh, people have a hard time convincing someone about what they do. It yep. doesn't spark curiosity questions or anything like that. Then once they bring the customer in, now they're like, all right, I've done a, a transaction. Now the customer leaves. And they're like, oh, how do I get them back? Now I need to go find another customer. But if you build those curiosity pieces in there, it would be a lot easier along with the wealth of knowledge and uh, the branding and and the referability pieces that uh, Michael works on. So grab it uh, uh, and um, take advantage of it while it's there. Um, Michael, uh, what are some of the favorite books that you always recommend people to read or some books that have made a massive impact on the way you think or your life? What are sure. some two or three books that you talk about all the time? Yeah, so um, the book that caused me to quit teaching um, was uh, Seth Godin's Linchpin. Um, and Linchpin, yeah. 
And he breaks down the fact that school was kind of built as an industrial complex to teach us how to be good factory workers. And he talks about sort of how so many of us kind of only thought about ourselves as factory workers, kind of learned how to put our head down and how you need to think about how are you not going to be a factory worker because factory workers are expendable. And when I read that, I realized that the education system I was in, I was basically a factory worker. So it was one of the main things that kind of moved me out uh, of the teaching uh, side of things. So I thought that that book was just really, really fascinating. It was very formative, um, you know, in my in my life. Uh, another book that really, really hit for me was uh, Essentialism uh, by uh, Greg McEwen. And uh, that one is all about this aspect of like, what is essential in your life? And how do you say no mm -hmm. to a lot of the opportunities and, and things that are coming your way and make sure that you're sort of handling all of that. And I just find that that book just really, really helps you cut through mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the things that, you know, you might be sort of like, if you're chasing a lot of things, I just think it's a really, really useful, really, really helpful book. Um, and then the final one, uh, where that Hey Ya story came from that I just think is filled with fascinating stories is The Power of Habit um, by Charles uh, Digg, I think. Um, and it's there's all these stories that show you how so much of what we do is is habit-driven and how you can identify your habits and change your habits. And it's just, mm -hmm. there's a lot of really fascinating material in there, lots of fascinating stories uh, and I just, I, I think it's a phenomenal book. So the first one for, from Seth Godin was Lynch Pin. Yep. Okay. And then uh, there was Essentialism with Greg McEwen and Power of Habit. Yep. I've read Essentialism, Power of Habit, and they're both amazing books. Yeah. But I, uh, I'll put Lynch Pin on my list to, to take a look. Yeah. Um, Essentialism was a game changer for me as well. Yeah. And um, along with uh, the book 80-20 Principle by Richard Koch, Oh they yes, changed, yep. they changed the course of my my business and life, basically. Oh, they made a massive impact on me. So, thank you for that. Yeah, um, Mike. Um, is it okay if I call you Mike, or do you go by of course, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike now, is perfectly fine. <laughs> if if you had a Facebook or Google ad, if you had an ad that everyone on the web could see, mm -hmm. what would your message be? That's an that that's an interesting one. I. I think I would go with um, that aspect of the, if you want to get people talking about you when you're not in the room in a good way. Um, I, I've found that that one has worked really, really well to get people um, basically curious, right? Sort of get them to say like, oh yeah, that's that that's really, really interesting. Um, I would also play around with, because I would always test, right? I'd try like different, different ideas in different markets. Um, I would also try the idea of uh, how to get everybody talking about you without ever talking about yourself. Um, because I also think like the high contrast of that and also the the sort of value uh, of that, I think hits a very specific audience as well. Love it, love it, love it. Now, Michael, is there anything uh, that you would like to add that we haven't talked about or touched on? Uh, so, you know, I think that the the thing that we often forget about uh, is the aspect of the keys to all the doors we need open are in other people's pockets. Uh, so 
if you're struggling with your message or your copy or any of those types of things, a lot of the time that language is in your client's mouths. Uh, so taking the time to talk to people you've already helped and hearing what their words are uh, can really, really help you understand more about the value that you're providing. And it can really help you figure out how you're going to present yourself and how you're going to present your business and what that business offers. So, so really taking the time to talk to people about what they're seeing as opposed to just what you see. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just such an essential uh, thing and, and something that not enough people do. Oh man, I did. I actually did that this week. I called some of our existing students in our program mm -hmm. and went through a few questions. Why did you start? What's happening? What's not happening? How can we support you? And, and a bunch of questions to you guys just to get more feedback in at or about where they're at mm -hmm. and what they expect. And these are like the best conversations. Yeah. So, so, so what, what you just mentioned is, a, is, is an essential process. Like you got to constantly stay in touch with your customers to make sure that you know what's going on in their mind. Otherwise, we're just making assumptions and we may not make the wrong, the right assumption. Yes, right? exactly. And the next thing you know, we, we, we lose them and we're like, oh, well, I wonder what happened. I was doing my best. Well, mm. your best was not on track with what they were thinking. Yeah. So, absolutely. Love it, love it. Thank you, Michael. This has been a, an amazing conversation. Uh, you shared a lot of um, uh, good and useful and actionable advice that uh, business owners could use to apply to their business and boost their confidence. And, you know, when it comes to marketing and branding and gang, if you're watching or listening, make sure you get a hold of uh, Michael at uh, what was your website again? Smallpondenterprises.com. Yes, and he's all over God's green earth on social media. <laughs> if you search his name, he will pop up, connect with him, and have a chat. Thank you again, Michael. Awesome. Thanks again for having me. Really appreciate it. Likewise. So, gang, if you're watching or listening, if you have any questions, uh, make sure you pop it in the chat or uh, send uh, me or Michael a question, and we'll get back to you on those. Again, if you like and subscribe to our um, show, on various social media channels or on apple google spotify and you name it uh, you enter your name into a draw for the prizes that we give away and if you have any questions post them in there we'll get back to you if you know a friend that could benefit from this conversation tag them in the conversation on social media and uh, again you that will enter your name into the draw for the gifts and if you rate and review the show uh, and just tell us what you learned and uh, your experience with the show you enter the draw as well. Now, one way that we help our audience to boost their confidence uh, when it comes to running their business is by helping them create and implement their one-page marketing plan in three days or less through our course, Simple Marketing Formula. The next round of Simple Marketing Formula is coming up on the weekend of February 19th to 21st. And if you wanted to join us and build your plan and uh, uh, work on foundational pieces, like the essential pieces of your marketing, um, join us. This, going back to our earlier conversation, is like the 80-20 of marketing, right? This is the 20% of marketing that produces 80% of results. Once you have these pieces figured out, a lot of other pieces will become easier and growing and scaling your business becomes a lot easier. So the link are in the show notes and uh, in the chat, and we'll go from there. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael, again. 
Great to have you. If you have any questions, put it out there and we'll get back to you. My name is Mustafa Hosseini, and thank you for joining us. Have a great day, and we'll see you in our next episode. Bye now.